So Matthew chapter 13, as I shared earlier uh, when we were gathering together, the theme of this weekend is the kingdom of God. God ruling and reigning as king and what that means for our lives. It is him ruling and reigning through what he did by sending Jesus to live a perfect life, die on the cross for us and for our sins, and then applying that by his Holy Spirit. It doesn't always look like the kingdom of God is advancing. And it doesn't always look like the kingdom of God is what matters most. You just think about what we see, what we hear. You know, if we, if we look at what people are talking about, it often seems that, let's say, football is what matters most. If we watch the news, it looks like elections and what's going on right now in Israel, which is an atrocity, but it looks like that is front and center what matters most. If we look at people's daily activities, like what they put their energy into, you would think, well, maybe money is what matters most because people are working really hard for money. If you listen to what people say they want most, you would think, oh, relationships matter most. If we overhear a family that's having a conversation as a family, you would think that grades and chores are what matter most. If we overhear somebody who's hurting, we might think in that moment that emotions or feelings is what matters most. But this is where refocusing our attention to the kingdom of God is so crucial because what actually matters most and what will matter most for all eternity is God and His kingdom. Page after page in Scripture, it's being proclaimed. And let me just describe, what, what is this kingdom of God? Well, one, one theologian defined it this way. I found this very helpful over the years. Just a simple definition of the kingdom of God. It is God's people in God's place under God's rule. God's people under God's place, or in God's place under God's rule. The kingdom of God has already broken into our world. You think about um, what it talks about in the Chronicles of Narnia. If you've read those novels or seen that movie, there's this forever winter that's over Narnia. And then when Aslan, who represents like Jesus the king, when he comes into Narnia, it starts to thaw. And there's signs of spring coming. Well, the kingdom of God broke into our world through the coming of Jesus. His kingdom has come, and yet His kingdom has not come fully. And we still find ourselves awaiting the fullness of Him as King and His rule over all things. And so this brings us this morning to Matthew chapter 13, because Matthew 13 comes right after an entire chapter where Jesus is rejected and where Jesus is maligned, misspoken about, falsely accused. And it would be easy to think after Matthew chapter 12 that the kingdom is not impressive, it's not coming. I mean, if it can't succeed and be big in backwoods Israel... 
how is it ever going to stand a chance of being a worldwide thing for all time? And so, in response to this rejection, Jesus does what He does best when He faces rejection. He tells parables. That's like His thing. And He tells seven consecutive parables to address this issue and to show the kingdom of God and its nature of breaking into the world. And to show that from these parables, to show us that it is the kingdom of God that matters most. So this morning, we're going to look at one parable, the parable of the sower, which is the first one. And then we're going to look tomorrow at six other parables, the following ones, which are all a lot shorter. This morning's parable, the parable of the sower, shows us the grace of the kingdom. And so if you have your Bible open to Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you. It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. 
This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, it is sobering that even as we read this parable, the very truth of this parable is trying to teach is being worked out in our midst. And I do pray for your grace and mercy, your help. Lord, every time we we come to you and we come to what you say, we want to receive it. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us, each and every one, from the oldest to the youngest, to be soft-hearted, receptive, fruitful hearers. It is by your grace alone, Lord. And so we do. We cast ourselves upon your grace. We pray for your power. We pray your kingdom would loom large in our eyes, Lord, this weekend and beyond. And we thank you, our great and gracious King, our Heavenly Father. And we pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. Well, Jesus tells many parables. And what is a parable? Well, a parable is a story or a picture. Some are long, like the one we just read. Some are shorter, like a single sentence. A parable seeks to connect some common experience with some spiritual truth. And so in this case, the common experience for for folks was sowing seed into ground and different kinds of ground yielding different kinds of responses to that seed. And that connecting to us being hearers of God's Word. A parable is designed not just to tell a story, not just to relate some spiritual truth, but to give the hearers an opportunity to reflect on where they stand related to God. And so we, by reading this parable this morning, we get all of those things. We get a story connecting some spiritual truth to life, and we are given an opportunity to reflect where do we stand related to God. And so the parable of the sower introduces the, the grace of the kingdom, the grace of the kingdom. And we learn from it that the kingdom of God is based on subtle grace, subtle grace. Jesus says in verse 3, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell. 
So what is this seed that's getting sown? Well, in verse 19, Jesus calls it the word of the kingdom. The word of the kingdom. This seed being sown, it's God's word in its entirety. It is the entire Bible. Specifically, it is the gospel. The bad news that we have sinned against a holy God, that He takes our sins seriously and calls it to account, but the good news that He sent Jesus to live the life we couldn't live, to die as a substitute in our place, bearing God's wrath for our sin on the cross, and He raised Jesus from the dead. Anytime that news is shared, it's like seed being sown. And we can read it in our Bibles. We can hear it. I can preach it and we can hear it preached to us. Or we could have somebody just share it. Anytime that's happening, it's like seed. That's just being sown from God's Word. It could be sown in the quiet of your bedroom. It could be sown around the dinner table. It could be sown at church on Sundays. It could be sown at home groups. It could be sown in personal conversations. It could be sown on the campus. It could be sown via YouTube. Anytime God's Word is read, heard, shared, seed is being sown. And if you think about it, this is really subtle. There's nothing more unimpressive than a bunch of seed going into the ground. It's not dramatic. You won't see it on the news. Nobody's posting on Twitter, seed being sown today. It's so ordinary. And this is how God, and this is how Jesus describes the kingdom of God coming in all of its fullness and all of its power. It's like seed being sown. And so the kingdom, you would think, wait, if the kingdom matters, if the kingdom is powerful, surely it would be coming in a powerful way, in a way that gets everyone's attention. And Jesus says, no. It's actually coming in a very subtle way. It's almost, almost unnoticeable. So not in flashiness, not in force, but in a way that looks small and in a way that looks weak. It's subtle grace. The kingdom of God is the, the grace of the kingdom is subtle grace. We also learn from this parable that the kingdom of God is it's the grace of the kingdom is separating grace. Separating grace. The word comes and the responses are varied. Four different types of soil represent four different types of hearers. The first is in verse 4. It says, As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. And then look down at verse 19. Jesus interprets this. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And so Jesus takes something, we, we know this, they knew this, 
Like a bird swooping down and grabbing a seed off the path, so Satan snatches God's word from our minds and from our hearts, from it ever being able to take root. And this can take place, you've probably had this experience, I know I have many times, I'm reading my Bible, I get to the bottom of the page, and then I think to myself, I don't remember a thing I read. I have no idea what I just read. And it makes and in that moment, it could be the same as if I had never read it in the first place. Or you get to the end of a sermon, you go, well, what was that sermon even about? Was I had that funny illustration in it. Oh, yeah, that was good. And it's like no difference. And the picture Jesus says here is he says, Satan is like a bird at the ready ready to snatch from you, snatch from me. Now, our family, we have a fair amount of experience with birds, especially at the beach. Uh, You open up a bag of chips, and they just like all come, and they're hovering. I'm like, kids, don't, don't feed the birds, because once we, you know, throw something to the birds, then they kind of get closer in, and all of a sudden, I'm eating my sandwich, like, from my chest, because I don't want the birds to attack it. And Jesus is, is saying... In a similar sense, Satan is like a bird at the ready. When you pick up your Bible, he is ready. When you listen to a sermon, when you hear God's word shared, he's ready to help you forget, ready to help you give in to being too tired. He's ready to say, you know what, let's have that portion of scripture that you just read make absolutely no difference in your life. He's ready. And so this is the first type of soil, the first type of hearer that Jesus mentions. And let's call it the deaf hearer or the forgetful hearer. The second type of soil is in verses 5 and 6. Look with me. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. And then Jesus interprets this. Look at verse 20 and 21. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So Jesus says that for some, they receive God's word with initial joy and enthusiasm, but they don't last. They don't actually bear fruit. And why? Jesus says there's no depth. There's no root. There's this enthusiasm, maybe the nodding of the head, the agreement. Yeah, that sounds really good what God has to say. But when it actually comes time to following Him, they turn back. Maybe this stuff that Jesus says about a certain topic like marriage or sex or money, it's met with agreement in theory, but then in reality, 
that agreement fades. It reminds me of a, a character in Pilgrim's Progress. I bring up Pilgrim's Progress. I love Pilgrim's Progress. This is a great book. Um, it reminds me of the character Pliable. If you remember, he's pretty early on in the story. Christian has left the city of destruction. He's going to the celestial city. And Pliable says, I want to go with you. And he's like, let's talk about the things of God. And he's initially, he's very enthusiastic. This sounds great. Of course, yeah, the king. And where do we read about this? In the Bible, excellent. And he's talking it up. And then they come to the slaw of despond. Basically a pit of mud. And they get stuck. And Pliable immediately turns back and says, I'm out of here. Well, Jesus tells this parable because it's possible to be excited about the things of God, but not to bear fruit when we're tested. And church, this needs to be a category for us in our own reactions and relationship with the Lord. It also needs to be a category as we interact with others. It is possible for the people that we know and love to be superficial. That when difficulty arises, they wither away. And there's no amount of accountability, no amount of parenting, no amount of fellowship that is going to keep people or turn someone who has no root into good soil. So we have a deaf hearer. We have a superficial hearer. And then we meet a third soil in verse 7. Look with me. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Jesus interprets this, verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So Jesus pictures the Bible is read or preached or shared, but the cares of this life press in and have a choking effect on what God says. You see, the things of God in this instance, they matter They just don't matter as much as other things. And so something else gets either ours or someone else's primary attention, primary affections. And it could be something as mundane as, oh yeah, I got got to do some laundry. It could be something as necessary as a job or school. It could be something as attractive as just that next best thing or that next vacation. But Jesus gives us this as a, a category of warning. There's the deaf hearer, the superficial hearer. Let's call this one the divided heart hearer. Trying to love the kingdom of God and love the kingdom of this world. But you know what Jesus says. He says... No one can serve two masters. And so love for the world chokes out love for God, and the word, the seed, proves unfruitful. Now, Jesus has just shared in very simple terms, there are multiple ways to be unfruitful. There's not just one way. 
The person who hears and completely forgets, and the person who initially shows enthusiasm, and the person who drifts off towards the things of the world, they all are equally unfruitful. The Word of God comes to them and they don't bear fruit. But I'm grateful that there's not just three soils. I'm grateful for this, that that's not the end of the story. By God's grace, there is a way for God's Word to be received and for us to bear fruit. Look at verse 8. It said, Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And Jesus interprets this for us. Look at verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. And I would say, church, look at what happens. Some seed is sown. Doesn't look very dramatic, but the result is very dramatic. Fruitfulness. A person understands God's word. A person aligns themselves to the king, to his kingdom. It comes in their heart. It comes in their life. Their lives are affected, and it's obvious, not just by their enthusiasm, not in the short term, but with massive, long-lasting fruitfulness. I mean, just as there are three ways to be unfruitful, so Jesus gives us three degrees of fruitfulness. A hundredfold. A little seed. A hundredfold. Some 60, some 30. Now, you have to know at the time, a usual or typical yield of crops was somewhere between 5 and 15. And people would brag about 10. You got tenfold, you were doing good. And Jesus is just talking about off the charts. This this unknown kind of fruitfulness of just like, I'm just so fruitful from a tiny seed of His Word coming into your life, coming into my life, massively fruitful. And so this is how the grace of the kingdom is displayed. It's displayed in Subtle grace, some seed fell. And it's displayed in separating grace, that there are different ways that it's responded to. Well, in between the parable, when Jesus tells the parable, and then when Jesus interprets it to his disciples, we also learn that the grace of the kingdom involves sovereign grace. Sovereign grace. Look again at verse 10 and consider... Why this passage is in between the parable and how Jesus interprets it. Jesus says, it says, Then the disciples came to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. 
but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I will heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it. And hear what you hear, and did not hear it. The word is sown into different human hearts. But what accounts for the different responses? Are you just good at hearing? Are you just bad at hearing? Does it all come down to whether or not you had a good night's sleep last night? If that's the case, we're in trouble here at family camp, by the way. No, what what accounts for the difference in those hearers and in those responses? Jesus tells us, sovereign grace. God graciously opens blind eyes. God graciously softens hardened hearts. God tills the soil and helps people to receive His Word as good soil. You see, the Word, it's like seed being sown. But then he says in verse 11, it's like a secret given. It's not one or the other, it's both. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to them it has not been given. Now, some might hear that and think, well, that's not fair. It's not fair. But if God gave us what was fair, we would really only have three soils. You see, we have the fourth soil because God's gracious. And there's a possibility where He opens our hearts and helps it. I mean, I just, I think, church, of just how many times I heard God's word. And it just was snatched and snatched and snatched. And none of it made a difference for year after year after year in my life. And I'm so grateful that he accounts, he gives and opens and allows his word to bear fruit. This would be the parable of the three soils because sin really is that enslaving. But it's sheer grace for you and I to be able to hear about the kingdom To not just receive it with joy initially, but to receive it and bear massive fruit. That is great. Charles Spurgeon, he says, the ground was good because it had been made good by grace. And that is what we celebrate. We celebrate God's not giving us what we deserve, but God treating us not how we deserve by allowing us to know Him and allowing us not to be kind of bulldozed over as he builds his kingdom, but ushered into it as sons and daughters. So the grace of the kingdom, it is subtle grace. 
It is separating grace. It is sovereign grace. And lastly, we see that it is sobering grace. Sobering grace. There are only two commands in the parable of the sower in this passage, verses 1 through 23, and it's the same word both times. It's the word here. It's in verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. It's in verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. Hear it. You see, if God's kingdom comes as His Word is read and preached and shared, and if there are many ways for us to be unfruitful and, and, and fruitfulness is of paramount importance, then we must take heed how we hear. Oh, Grace Covenant Church, hearing God from His Word is of the utmost importance. Hearing the Bible is of utmost importance. It is literally life and death. God, this is how He brings His kingdom He casts this day after day over you and over me. It's there on the shelf. We could pick it up anytime we want to. How is God's kingdom going to break in with amazing power and long-lasting fruitfulness? His Word sown and bearing fruit in our lives. And so because this is literally life or death, this is why Jesus says in verse 9, He who has ears, let him hear. Hear it. And this phrase that he who has ears, let him hear, shows up a lot in the Bible. And it's on Jesus' lips almost every time. Matthew eleven fifteen, Jesus says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Matthew thirteen forty three, he who has ears, let him hear. Every one of the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now we have physical ears. I think so. I don't see. Okay, yeah, just checking. We have physical ears. And we love what we are able to do with them. But Jesus is getting here with this repeated command. He's getting to the fundamental purpose of why God gave us ears. And spiritually, the spiritual element behind that. It's not so that you and I can listen to music. It's not so that we can hear people talk or hear birds chirp. As great as all of those things are, I'm a big proponent of those. The fundamental purpose of why God gave you ears is to be able to hear and understand and respond to His Word. Fundamentally, whoever has ears, let them hear. Spurgeon called this, he called it the solemn responsibility of hearing the gospel. It's not a take it or leave it. It's life or death, a solemn responsibility of hearing the gospel. Let He who has ears, let him hear. 
Now, some might wonder, based on what Jesus mentioned in verses 12 through 17, if God is sovereign, does it really matter how we hear? And the point that happens in this parable is, yeah, well, Jesus says it matters. Jesus is telling this parable and He's giving the command. God's sovereignty doesn't cancel out our responsibility because, listen, our true condition before God is revealed in what we do with His Word. I'll say that again. Our true condition before God is revealed in what we do with what we hear. The grace-empowered response to this parable, to seeing that it's a secret given and it matters how I hear, the grace-empowered response is to say, Lord, help me hear. Like when I get to the bottom of a page and I don't remember a thing I read, I tremble. It scares me. Because I didn't see Satan around here. I didn't hear any swooshing sound. There was no birds that I could point to. I just got snatched. And it's a fearful thing. It's a trembling thing. Lord, I don't want that to happen. Like even I knew I was going to be teaching on this this morning and I was, you know, reading and I had my coffee and I was a little tired and I was reading it, but I was like on high alert. Like if, if there, like, would I be on higher alert if there were birds like circling around me and I heard them squawking and they were like making dives, like, would I be more alert? Well, that's what I want to do when I come to God's Word. Lord, help me hear. As, as your Word is preached, Lord, help me be good soil. Help me, Lord, just even we prayed over the last couple of weeks according to the Lord's prayer, deliver us from the evil one. Well, the evil one is a snatcher. Lord, deliver me from his snatching work that I can be oblivious to. I don't want to be superficial. I don't want to have it choked out by the cares of this life. I don't want to go after love for the world and for my love for you to diminish. Lord, help me. It's a grace-empowered response. And church, we've been doing home groups for many years. It's part of our history. We didn't just look at other churches and be like, oh, they're doing small groups. Hey, we should do small groups. We're doing small groups because of this. This is one of the fundamental reasons. It's not the only reason, but it's fundamental because James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We want to bear fruit. And it's so easy not to. That's my takeaway from Matthew 13. We want to bear fruit. It's glorious to bear fruit, but boy, is it easy not to. And so this is what grace does. It sobers us to take heed to how we hear. And so the question I think this parable puts before us today is this. How are we hearing God's word? Which soil are we? When God's word is read and preached and shared. And if we have been patting ourselves on the back, being like, well, I, I'm enthusiastic. I mean, have you seen my social media feed? I love God's word. 
Unless we're enthusiastic, the main difference between these soils is not enthusiasm. The main difference is fruitfulness. Our true condition is revealed in what we do with what we hear, and that condition is seen in fruit. And as much as Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear, as much as that gets repeated in the New Testament, you know what else gets repeated? The command and the charge to be fruitful, to bear fruit, not just to believe, but for that belief to transform us. Matthew 3, 8 says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Matthew seven nineteen: every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Matthew 12, 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. And John 15, 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. That's how you know someone is a disciple. God's words come to them. The seed was sown, and it came in their life, and it bore fruit. And you say, ah, that's a disciple. That's a follower. Fruitfulness. If I can invite the worship team to go ahead and return. Grace Covenant, this weekend we're going to be looking at this, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is what matters most. It's a a kingdom that is built on grace. It is subtle that God would sow His Word in such a subtle way. It doesn't come with force or pomp. It comes as His Word falls like seed on the soil of our hearts. It's separating. It, It shows and reveals what kind of soil we are. There are many ways to prove unfruitful, but God has made a way for us to be good soil. It is His sovereign grace that opens us up to God and the things of God. And it's a call to be sobered. That's what grace does. It trains us. It helps us. God gave us ears so that we would hear what He has to say. And then by so hearing and receiving, He makes us fruitful. Oh, Grace Covenant Church, let us, let us be eager and dependent in how we receive from God and His Word. Let me pray for us. Well, Heavenly Father, again, here at the end, we don't want to just receive this with enthusiasm and we don't want this to be something that we're eager for now. But in the months ahead, Lord, just taken by something else that our hearts are longing for. Lord, we want to be going after you and your glory and your kingdom and your righteousness. And so I pray, Lord, that you would loom large in our eyes this weekend. We love you and we thank you in Jesus name. Amen.